Well, I don't do topical messages very often, but today I'm uh, making that exception. I'm going to be speaking about fathers. Shocker, it's Father's Day, and we've got a lot of fathers in the room, so it's an apt uh, uh, discussion. So grab your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4 today. Proverbs chapter 4. We will continue our study into Second Peter, Lord willing, in the next few weeks and uh, finish that up. Uh, my hope is by fall we'll finish Second Peter and Jude uh, by the end of, uh, by, by about October or so. So be in, uh, may, may not, <laughs> depends on how the Lord leads on that one. I've entitled the message today, The Witness of a Good Father. And uh, it really is in reference to our Heavenly Father and how He is a witness for us that we might be good fathers as well. You know, in, in our modern culture today, we have devalued the Father to the point that uh, 40%, almost 40% of children now are born out of a two-parent household. They're born into a single-parent household. And that makes me sad that that happens that way because, I mean, I was a, I was a product of that in the in the early 70s when it was a rarity and now it becomes more and more of a, um, a just a, a normal thing and uh, the importance of a father is, is hard to quantify but I'm going to give it to you quickly here our Heavenly Father has made himself a witness of who an earthly father is supposed to be so we're going to take a look at some of that today through the, through the writings of Solomon in, in the book of Proverbs. So if you've made your way to Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would please, in reverence and honor the Word of God. We're going to begin here in verse 1. It says this in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He, also, he taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom and get understanding, forget it not. Neither incline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee, bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ointment of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver unto thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the day. Thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for all who have come out this morning to hear your word proclaimed. Forgive us, bless us, and watch over us. We'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So our proposition this morning is this, that God is our example of what a good father is and imparts his wisdom to us so that we may be like him. One of the struggles I had early on as a father was knowing what to do. I wasn't raised with a father in, in the house. I, my mother uh, had me out of wedlock at 16. And I, it was, I was two years old before she married the first time. And uh, my, my first father there really didn't know what to do as a father either. And all I can remember is good times of playing baseball uh, early on. And then I got introduced to my grandfather. And my grandfather, I moved into his household later. And he showed me what a work ethic looks like. And, but I never really understood what it meant to be a father. 
until God decided to give me children. I'll, I'll never forget the, uh, the day when my wife told me uh, we were pregnant, and I say we only because I had to go through about half as much as she had to go through, but nonetheless, I was there. and It's funny how, how you look at it. I was the one going to get Chewy Sprees and Coke Ices at 2 a.m., in a town where we only had one Coke Icy machine open at 2 a.m. And I would go and, and get that and come back. And, and there are little things that, that you do as a father and as a husband early on, but you're still not quite sure. What are you supposed to do? And I'll never forget. I will never forget holding my son. Now, some of you know Aaron. He was up here singing a minute ago. He's not little anymore. But there was a time when he was here. And I held him in my hands and I, and I looked into his face and I said, what do I do now? And I remember the words of Scripture coming to me. And I remember the words of, of the book of Ephesus in particular in chapter 6. And, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I do this? And so I started looking around, seeing if there were examples around me that, that God was giving me to help me. Fortunately, there were. I had my wife's father who is an amazing man of God and, and we celebrate his father's day yesterday with him and just a, a gracious and humble man and I'm grateful for the opportunity to know him and then God began to put other men in my life to show me what it was to be uh, mentored and, and to help guide the next generation along and I, and I began to learn things from them. I'm telling you all this so that you understand we have examples in our lives of good fathers, we have examples of bad fathers but the Scriptures point us clearly to our Heavenly Father that He might show us the way a little better and a little clearer. So I'm going to give you principles this morning. Principles of examples, right? That's kind of what we kind of have. I want you to turn with me to Luke 18 for a moment. And I just want you to hear the words of Jesus. It says in verse 15 of that chapter, it says, And they brought unto Him also infants, that they would touch Him. But... But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called unto them and said, unto him and said, Suffer the little children, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. What an awesome statement that is. We're to bring children to the kingdom of God. I have a gracious and wonderful family. And they think I'm crazy sometimes. It's okay. You're allowed to, and I may be a little bit. But I want to teach my granddaughter songs about Jesus. I want to teach her the scriptures. I want to teach all of my children those things. I want to, I want to have generation after generation after me to come to know the Lord. When, when Kimberly and I were, uh, started having children and we began to really put this into fleshing this out, I began to pray. For my posterity. Now, that, for those of you keeping notes here, that's for the next generations after us. And I've been praying unto the tenth generation, trying to, to start something new with me. In my family, on my father's side and grandfather's side and, and everybody back, there have been divorces and alcoholism and pornography and all kinds of things going on. And, and I, I've asked the Lord to make it stop with me and, the, and from, from, from me forward that we do something different and we leave a heritage of godliness for my family. And I'm going to tell you, God is in the process of honoring that. 
And I see it. I see it in my sons and my daughter, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter. We're starting something different, a heritage. I never want to be in the way of children coming to the Lord. Now, I want to be careful with that. When, when my children began to, to ask questions about God and things like that, we decided we would come up with a, a way to answer them, a way to help them. And you'll see it. We've got, a, we've got them posted all around the, the building here. We, uh, we pulled out an old catechism that was found years ago and written by a man. And, and it's a question and answer of basically who God is and all the things of Scripture laid out in catechism form so we could teach the children. I, then the very first question, I, I, I talked about this the other day, is the first question that, that's asked is, who is God? And the answer is, is, is fairly simple, but we, we ask them to memorize it and repeat it back to us. And, it, and if you ask the question, who is God? The, the answer is, God is the only being who's always existed. He's the creator and preserver of all things. That's the answer from the catechism. And it's an easy way for the kids to know. And then as they got a little older, they began to ask questions about salvation because they'd hear, hear somebody preach on it. Unfortunately, their pastor talked about salvation a lot. My kid's pastor was me, just in case you wanted to know. And so they would begin to ask those questions about salvation, about Jesus, about what it means to be a Christ follower. And they came to, came to salvation at different times. All of my kids were different. Uh, my son, we, we had a conversation uh, when I was coming back from, um, from school to home, and he was riding with me or whatever. We were in the truck, and I remember the highway out in West Arkansas, or Eastern Arkansas, and he, would, he was asking me questions. He says, well, Dad, I want to be saved. Okay, we pulled over real quick, and, and we had that conversation right there on the side of the road, and he got gloriously saved right there in the truck. My daughter, different story. I was going to school in, in Louisiana or Mississippi, and, and my, my wife was home with her, and, and she had that conversation with her. And my, my daughter got gloriously saved. Well, later on, Andrew got saved, and, and, and we baptized him here just a few years ago. Man, what a glorious time to be a father. You're able to get an opportunity once like that. My youngest is 17 now. It won't be long before he leaves and does his thing. My daughter's, uh, you know, getting older, and she's going to move out one day, and Aaron's already out of the house, and, and, I, and I've realized time has, has fled from me. But I need to have the kinds of conversations that Solomon had with his children. Let's dive in today and find out the precepts to understand the example that God has left us, and, and understand what Solomon's talking about here with concerning wisdom, and other things. We all have children who, we want them to be obedient. Now, some of us have wild kids. I get it. And I know that some of you are looking at me going, your kids were never like mine. I promise you they were. My wife used to keep a switch hanging from her neck. And she would get up and walk with the kids, and if the kids saw the switch, they'd flinch. Because they were worried about the switch coming. And her switch was a little different. It never broke. It was an 18-inch lead line off a toilet. It flexed. It was good. It was a good switch. And she had them hid all over the house. I don't think the kids really knew that she had them hid everywhere. 
they were pretty sure mom was magic when it came to that switch. It just appeared. And, and, I, and I'm telling you this because all kids that go through that stage where they're all a little wild about something or other. I look around, and I, we got tons of kids in here, thankfully. Praise the Lord for kids. And they're going to ask questions. Little JoJo's going to ask the question someday about Jesus. And Dad, you better have an answer. All of these kids are going to have that question because I'm going to talk about Jesus as long as the Lord leaves me here and he doesn't, hasn't come back yet. So what I want, to, I want you to grab a hold of some things today is how and who a father is. And I'm going to give you three or four of these, okay? This is real simple. The first one is a father is a protector. Our heavenly father protects us. He protects us through his own commandments. Take a look back in our first part of the passage here. It says, Hear ye, <clears throat> hear ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. I love that word. Forsaking out my law. Don't be afraid to give your children doctrine. Don't ever be afraid of it. Doctrine is teaching. That's all it is. And you're going to teach them one way or another. And if you don't teach them good doctrine, you're going to teach them instinctively bad doctrine. So teach them the right doctrines first. They'll come to it. They'll understand it. They'll begin to get it. But they've got to be taught. Because if they're not going to be taught by you, they are going to be taught. Some have asked me, do you support public schools? Or do you support homeschooling? What do you support? I, I support good doctrine. And if good doctrine is found... In homeschooling, do it. If you can find good doctrine in public schooling, well, you know, good for you. I won't tell you which way I swing on that, okay? It's not hard for me. You say, well, I, there's good public school teachers. Don't get me started, okay? It's okay. It's all all right. I just need you to understand that there's a purpose for everything under the sun. And the public schools want to teach your children. They do. It's just not maybe, maybe not good doctrine. So here's what I want to do for you. I would love for you to teach your children biblically good doctrine. That's where we're going to start. And God protects us by His Word. You want to know how, how you're supposed to respond in certain situations? Go to the Word of God and let it filter you, filter for you life. You want to know what you're supposed to do in certain situations or, or how you're supposed to react or whatever it is, the situation that, that you find yourself, go look for it in Scripture. You say, is it really that easy? Can you just live your life based on what, what the Bible says? Absolutely, all day long and twice on Sunday. You can. How does he do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20 for just a moment. I want you to see an example. And it's just an example. I'll wait on you. Go ahead. Exodus chapter 20, that's in the front of the book, close to the front. And this is in verse 1. Chapter 20. And God spake all these words. Underline that if you're underlining your Bible. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which had brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Let's stop right there. God is in the business of protecting us with his word. Why is it that God only wants there to be one God, him? himself because he says he explains it i'm the lord thy god which have brought thee out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage thou shall have no other gods before me that's commandment number one now why how does that protect us 
Well, that allows us uh, no mistakes in who God is. God is God, and there is no other. It's a protection issue. It protects you from the would-be gods of this world that have made up their mind to overthrow the, the throne of God if they could. They can't. And it's a reminder to us that we serve only one God that took us out of the house of bondage, that took us away from sin and slavery of sin. The second one goes on. Thou shalt make, not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Why? Well, because you get amazed by things in the world. Anybody ever seen a, a sunset with a, a rainbow next to a waterfall? It's absolutely the most gorgeous thing in the world. And to see little wildlife creeping up, maybe a little deer panting at the, at the edge of the river there. And it's a beautiful scene. But if we're not careful, we'll worship the creation before the Creator. There are things here that are supposed to awe-inspire us, but they are not supposed to make us bow down and worship them. And I'm afraid that we've gotten into a generation of, of self-worship and, and self-aggrandization rather than saying God and to God be His glory. We just have gotten away from it. So we don't make any graven images that, that we bow down to worship. Because God is God, and He's made all things. Now let's continue just for a little bit there. Verse 5, it says, Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them, for I, am the, I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Pay attention, dads. Did you hear what was just said there in that passage of Scripture? God is using His words to remind us and protect us. And fathers, we're the gatekeepers. Because as you go, fathers, your children will follow after you. It's a funny thing. Fathers, uh, everybody, everybody says, well, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, that kind of thing. I get that. But I'm going to tell you, the, the fathers are really the gatekeepers of the next generation. And when fathers advocate that, abdicate that role, well, you lose something. Something happens to that next generation. We're told, we're commanded here, that the iniquity gets visited. Gets visited on the third and fourth generations. Fathers, you have a unique responsibility. I, I, I can't tell you how important the role of a father is. I, I know you can raise children without a father. But you can't raise a godly young man without a father. He needs you. He needs the role of that father to step in in his life and show him the corrected way. Because boys and girls will turn into men and women. And they will follow the lead of those they've known to be in authority over them. If their father is absent, they will be absent from their kids. It is hard to get back once you've lost it. You want to know how important the role of a father is? Just watch a two-year-old watch his dad come home from work and what he does. When dad comes home from work and and he throws himself into the recliner, worn out after the whole day, and I do it as much as anybody. And, and I remember that I took, used to take my boots off when I, when I worked for uh, another company earlier on, and I had to wear these big boots all the time. And I'd take them off, and I'd set them by the door. And inevitably, here would come Aaron in the door with my big old boots on. Little did I know he was going to grow up and one day fill those boots. And he comes in, he comes trudging into the living room with his, with his little old feet and my big old boots. And he says, look, I'm daddy. I'm daddy. 
you have a role that you have to fulfill, and you have to fulfill it well, men. I'm charging the fathers today. We normally we have, by the way, I, I want to apologize. Normally we normally have a uh, a service that um, uh, dedicates children, uh, you know, as far as families go, and dedicating them into uh, uh, the church and things like that. What it, what it boils down to is we we come up here and we we basically charge the fathers and the mothers of those children that they'll raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's more for the parents than it is the kids. It's a dedication service. But we, we want to help families here. That's what the goal of the church is, really, to, to strengthen those families. And i got to tell you, I'm so encouraged by our young men here. They, they take their leadership role seriously, and I'm grateful for that. They're raising up children that are, are, are going to make a difference in the world today for Jesus. And that's what I'm excited about. And I want to see more of it. Two ways to grow a church, there always has been. Either grow up by family or by evangelism. One of the two ways, and they're both by evangelism eventually. But here's the, here's the thing for us. The Word of God is put here so that we might strengthen those families and strengthen those commitments. The society around us wants to tear them down. They say that fathers aren't important, mothers and fathers aren't important, that it takes a village. It takes a mother and a father first, and they have to be committed to the church. I firmly believe, and I am committed to it, that the church of the New Testament is geared expressly for the expression of families into a community to help us all spread the gospel. Families make up the church. So there are three institutions that that are made up in, in, in the whole world. We've got the institution of the family, the institution of government, and the institution of the church. And they all have to be a part there. The family unit is something so precious that God had to start it himself. He starts in the garden with with Adam and Eve, and and they have children, and then we're going to have more children, and the whole earth is filled. And the notion that that we should be apart from God and and outside of a family and all of that is, is just really strange to Scripture. So our passage talks about... The word, the word being precious and the word being listened to and good doctrine and those kinds of things. God protects us through his word. Leviticus 19.32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy, and fear thy God, and I am the Lord. Ephesians 6.4, we talked about it before. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, children only have one thing to do. <coughs> this is why I tried This is, the, by the way, if you're trying to teach children scripture, Great place to start. It's right here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a great place to start. Put it in their lunch boxes. Put it on their, on their bedpost. Put it everywhere. Help them memorize it. Heck, pay them money to memorize it. It's worth it. We did. Oh, when my kids started finding out that Dad was paying cash for memory verses, Dad was about to be broke because we were about to memorize some scripture verses. I think we got up, we started out at just like a nickel or something or a quarter, quarter for every Bible verse. Oh my goodness. Then they started wanting dollar bills, memorizing passages of scripture so they could get that ice cream money. I know what it was about. That's okay, I was happy to pay. My children were memorizing scripture. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long upon the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do you know what's funny about that passage of Scripture? It doesn't say anything about mothers, other than for, for them to give them honor. It's the fathers who are not to provoke their children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, you have such a crucial role. And the words you say, the doctrine you teach, will be what they base everything else on. Secondly, God protects his own in, phys in physicality, in physically, in times uh, of adversity. You know, God was in the business of protecting the Israelites all the time. It seemed like every time they turned around, somebody was attacking, somebody wanted to hurt them in some fashion or form. And it's the responsibility of fathers to, in the same vein, just like our Heavenly Father protected Israel, our job is to protect them. I thought it would end when my children moved out. I thought it would end when my children began to be fathers of their own. Turns out, we're still trying to physically protect them. We protect them at every turn we get. When, when my kids go in for the night, the last thing I do is I go and lock all the doors and check my pistol. Not because we live in a bad neighborhood, but because I'm a good father and I want to make sure my children are protected. I make sure the garage door is down. I make sure the back door is locked. I got all my precautions in place. Sure, I got three, round, three clips of ammunition, you know, those kinds of things. I may be a little overboard, but hey, shotguns by the door, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just saying I, I prepare. Now, not only that way, but there's also other ways too. We physically want to protect our children from other things. Uh, about two weeks ago, some of you know this, some of you don't, one of my children were in, a, were in an accident uh, involving their car. My wife and I were out on date night. Now, normally, I would tell you that date night, nothing supersedes date night. My wife is my first priority when it comes to everything. But we agreed that we would leave and go to the scene of the accident where my child was. And so we went to make sure that they were all right, and, and they were, and, and everything is fine. We had a little problem with the car. So he was all right. We physically wanted to make sure he was okay and, you know, everything. And so now we're working on the car, trying to get it worked out. And it won't be the same, but it'll drive, we think, maybe. But don't we, as fathers, want to protect our family? Absolutely. That's why normally at our house, uh, if the doorbell rings, which is rarity, if I'm home, I go answer it first. Say, why does that matter? Well, because I don't know what's on the other side of the door. Physically, I go in the parking lot. Now, y'all, I'm a big fan of security in the parking lot. But before Corona and all that, Walmart parking lot was a pretty kind of weird place. My, uh, my wife has a tendency to not remember where the car is. It's nothing against her. She, there's a lot of cars, and she's got other things on her mind. But I know exactly where the car is. And I go out ahead of her when we go to Walmart. I, I walk just a little bit in front of her, and I'm not looking for the car. I know where the car is. I'm looking for the other people in their cars. I'm looking for that weirdo who's hanging out by his car watching people leave Walmart with all their groceries. I'm that guy who's watching all those people. Because why? Because my, my problem is I want to make sure that everybody's physically okay. Physically, we're supposed to take care of our families. Now, not only physically, and I've got scripture for this. If you guys want it, here it is, Exodus chapter 14, the whole thing. 
and I'm not going to go into all of it, but I just here's what I want you to grab from it. It was, it was God who was protecting Israel as a heavenly father protects his children. That's what he's doing there. Acts chapter 12, we see a, a similar thing here. It was where Herod, uh, the king stretched forth his hands to, uh, to vex those of the church. And we see God protecting those in that time too. And then thirdly, God, he protects by comforting. One of the greatest things that I can do is, is protect my children, just let them know they're okay. Every night before we go to bed, the kids come in my room and we pray most of the times and, and then we'll, we'll hug each other and let them know. I just want them to know they're okay and they're safe here. I got grown kids. I still hug them. I embarrass them a little bit here and now and there. That's my job as a dad. It's okay. Dads, it's okay to embarrass your kids a little bit. It's what you're there for. Embarrass them. Give them a hug. Say I love you to them. They may not like it at the time. They'll appreciate it later. But God does that too. He protects His own by comforting. John 14, 15, this is where Jesus is talking. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. God's in the business of comforting His own. God protects His own by His comforting. The second thing is this morning, God is a provider. Now we saw it in, in the passage. Let's take a look, go back to look in our, in our passage in Proverbs. Read down just a few, few verses. Verse 4, I'm sorry, um, verse 5 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline uh, from the words of my mouth, Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and, she, and she, will keep, she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all, thy with all thy getting, get understanding. God is a provider. He provides those things when we need it. When my children come and ask me things about things, they'll, they'll ask and, and say this or that, and I'll give them the wisdom I can. The other day, my, my son asked me to give him, some, give him a hand to help working on his car. And we worked on it, worked on it. I struggled a bit with it, and he struggled a bit with it. But eventually we, we worked it out, and there was a place of wisdom and understanding that came. When, when my children have need, I try to be there for them. I provide for them the best I can. My children have never gone hungry. They may not have had exactly what they wanted all the time. They've never gone hungry. They've never been without clothes. Although some of them stripped down like they didn't, you know, don't have any sometimes when they were younger. I couldn't keep shoes on any of my kids when we lived in Mississippi. It's funny how that works. And when we lived up here in Arkansas, there's all these rocks and everything. They, they, we had to keep shoes on them. We get down to Mississippi, there's no, there's no rocks. So they went without shoes everywhere. But I always tried to provide for them, keep them shin shoes, keep them fed. I kept the roof over their heads best we could. Sometimes it was better than others. Sometimes, at fathers, we, uh, we have to let our kids make their own mistakes. Do you know how hard that is for fathers to do? God allows us to make mistakes all the time. It's not that He doesn't want us to make them. He, he doesn't want us to make them, but He... He allows, the, allows us to go through those problems because they're of our own devices sometimes. 
and the, and the devices that sometimes befall us are, are our own. We, we create these things. We don't want to see our children get in trouble. But maybe they'll make a, a purchase that we, we as parents don't really understand. And we allow the purchase because we, we want them to experience what it is. And then they turn around and suddenly they don't have any money when they need it. And they come to us and they say, Dad, can I borrow some money? I don't mind loaning them money, letting them, or just letting them have money. I don't loan money to my children as a general rule. But God provides for his own, even if it is to their own devices. Secondly, thirdly, he also provides for his own when they're led astray by others. There are times whenever the nation of Israel was led astray by various characters in, in, in Scripture. We read about them. One of the greatest things that happens in Scripture is God, God leaves all the bad stuff in so that we can learn from it. You learn about guys and gals like uh, Ahab and Jezebel, and, and you learn about all the bad characters as much as you do about the good characters so that you understand that bad company corrupts good morals in a hurry. Third thing today, and I know I need to finish up, he's a proclaimer. God is a proclaimer, and so should we be as husbands and fathers, a proclaimer. We proclaim the things of God. Listen to the passage in, in our uh, in our. Uh, passage here it says this exalt her and she shall promote thee she shall bring thee uh, to honor when thou dost embrace her she shall give uh, to thine head an ointment of grace a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee you know the whole point of this in verse 10 it says hear O my son and receive my sayings right there why does this why does the writer of proverbs go to all the trouble to write all this down so his children can hear and know a proclaimer as a father, our responsibility becomes to proclaim the word of God to our children. I would that I had a father who did that for me. If I'd had a father in my life to proclaim the good news of Jesus to me early, I think of all the years I wasted prior to, my, prior to about 20 years old when I didn't know the gospel, when I didn't even care about the gospel, when I didn't know Jesus. What would I have been, been able to accomplish for Jesus had I been committed to him at an earlier age? Say, well, you were just a kid. Well, that's still no excuse. Now I'm 47. Ron, you're going to catch me one day. I pick on you, but, you know, I tell Tommy the same thing. One day he's going to catch me. Tommy just had a birthday the other day. Wasn't it the other day? When was that, Tommy? Yeah, just the other day. Just nod. Okay. He's going to catch me. I keep telling him that. Here's the thing. Are you a proclaimer? You may be a good provider. There may be never any question about you being a provider for your children. But are you a proclaimer of the Word of God? Do they see you? Do they know you for being a proclaimer of the things of God? I'll give you three things. First, God is a proclaimer of truth, and so should you be. Second one, God is a proclaimer of righteousness, and so should you be. Third thing, God is a proclaimer of justice, and so should you be. Are you that kind of proclaimer? Where there's never any question, never any doubt, that dad's got the answer, that dad has the right truth out there for us, the, the truth of the word of God for us? I worry sometimes that our children are getting answers from everybody but us. But dad, if you don't put it out there, they're not going to catch it. You've got to put it out there. You don't have an obligation to, or you don't have a, a, an ease there where you can just hope they catch it. 
I would love to tell you that an hour of church on a Sunday will overcome 40 hours a week of everything else that's being taught in the world. Somebody asked me a long time ago why we were homeschooling our kids. And you may think it's a shameless plug for homeschooling. Maybe it is. I don't care. There's one thing that I wanted to teach my children. I wanted them to be able to read and to write the Word of God. I wanted that to be the primary focus of everything we did in our education. My children don't have to be rocket scientists. I don't require them to have an Ivy League education. I expect them to be able to read and write the Word of God and communicate it clearly to somebody else. In fact, there's even a scripture for that. You don't know what it is? Turn to Psalm 127. I'll wait on you. Go ahead. Psalm 127. Just a few short chapters over. From where we were. Here's what it says. Is everybody there? All right, here we go. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for so giveth his beloved, so though he giveth the Lord or giveth his beloved sleep. Verse three is where we want to focus. Lo, children are an heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It's a passage about, about family. And, and I want to make it very clear. In the old days, they didn't have factories that put out arrows. Now you can go to the store and you can buy nice uh, uh, titanium-tipped graphite arrows and go kill deer all day. Arrows were made by men in the early days, back when this was written. They were usually... Uh, they were handmade out of nice straight pieces of wood, straightest wood they could find. And they would hone the wood down to where it would shoot straight. On purpose, they were crafting arrows that would shoot straight when you shot them. Can I tell you that children are a lot like that? You've got to hone them in. You've got to straighten them out. And when you get ready to launch children off into the world, they ought to be straight, like an arrow. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Because a mighty man doesn't make curved arrows. A mighty man doesn't take an arrow and make a curve out of it because he wants his arrow to hit the mark every time. He wants to aim it and shoot it and have it delivered to the mark. Children are the same way. When you raise up children, you want them to be straight as an arrow. You want them to be hitting the mark every time. And arrows in the hand of a mighty man, right? That's what children are. We craft them. That special moment that you take with them and help them understand the things of this world where you can kind of straighten them out just a little more. Just a little more. You know, I'm still getting to do that. Yesterday I spent about three hours working with Andrew on his car. And we were working together and it was such, such a good time for me. It blessed my heart to be able to, to talk to him and impart wisdom in just little bitty chunks. And he and I were having a conversation back and forth. And at night him and his mother uh, get together and they, they talk about political things and I just let them. And uh, I don't always want to be involved in that. But uh, from time to time, you, you get to straighten that arrow just a little more. So that when he's launched, or when they're launched out in the world, we're hitting the mark every time. Fathers, you have an obligation 
a reasonable expectation for God to help you, but an obligation nonetheless to raise up godly young men and women of character and launch them into the world. The last verse of that passage we just read is key. Listen to it. Here's what it says. Happy is the man that had this quiver full of them. Man, we're all happy about it. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. You know, one of the greatest things about having lots of kids is, is you, you just get to, you get to see everything come back around. I get to see the young men that my boys are turning into. I get to see the young lady my daughter is turning into. And I get to be not ashamed of it. I love the fact that, that God has blessed me with, with these kids. And I look around the church and I see all the little ones. Some of them are asleep even right now. That's okay. I put people to sleep all the time. It's my job. But I also look around and I see them. They're growing up. I remember when all these little ones were real little. They were Clara little. Right? And now they're getting bigger. Look at her. She's so big now. All of them are big. We're watching them grow. And as a father, it is our responsibility to nurture them and bring them into subjection to the Lord. I hope you'll do that. I hope this Father's Day you'll be reminded that you are to be a provider. You are to be uh, that protector. But you're also to be a proclaimer. Proclaim Jesus Christ to your kids so they may know Him and raise up the next generation for the Lord. Let's stand.